Welcome back, everybody. You know what time it is. I don't know what time uh. it is. It's a podcast. You'll listen to this at different times, but it is time for us to be River Do's and River Don'ts, the podcast where we look <laughs> at an episode of the CWTV program Riverdale. Break that shit down for you. Talk about our River Do, the best thing that happened in the episode. Our River Don't, the part that did the other thing. And our <laughs> Weekly Weird, the just head scratchingest, most what the fuckest part of the episode, which, you know. We're getting into season three. There's sometimes a lot of competition for what the weekly weird is. Uh, But by God, we're going to figure it out. Uh, I'm Rob, and helping me to figure this out are... You go first. Okay. (laughs) I'm Arlie. And I'm Quinn. So today, we're doing the 12th episode of season three. That is chapter 47, Bizarro Dale. That is a DC Comics reference directed for you, for your pleasure, by Harry Jergen. Oh, boy. (laughs) Is that Uh, a good sign? By someone named Harry, whose last name is too powerful for me, and written, I'm so excited, by Britta London. Uh, Quinn Arley, do you know who Britta London is? Do you remember some of her previous joints? Absolutely not. She is part of the dream team that brought us the lost weekend in season one. Oh, no. And the Blackboard Jungle in season two. What the the most boring episode? I don't even remember that. Uh, Boring. Fake FBI agents. uh, Oh. The drama of putting students in the wrong schools. Stupid. And then the Noose Titans, which involved the the shady man getting killed and the owner of the car blackmailing uh the cooper her name darla or something Maybe. yeah uh and then this is the next one and she's gonna hit us back with another one this very season later on so i'm excited about that but let's see what delights Britta london has cooked up for us this time after this lovely music break let me break this down Okay, help me out, folks. The first thing I have in my notes is in all caps, Riverdale is like Bizarro Town. Is that something that I feel like it's something that Jughead probably said? (laughs) That sounds like a Jughead line. Good God. Like a Jughead narration line. We already know that Riverdale is Crime Town. Yes. Yes, it is. It has become Crime Town. And it's Riverdale. Right. It's true. That was important (laughs) to say. It was. And it is like unto Bizarro Town. It's also Noir Town. Yes. Noir Town and Crime Town are questionable in their distinctness from one another. But yeah. uh, Jughead basically says, hey, Riverdale's pretty fucked up. But sometimes normal things happen too. Like, that's like what the beginning of this episode is. God. Uh, Josie and Kevin want at least some level of celebration for their parents' upcoming marriage. Turns out Moose's dad had a long-standing crush on Sierra McCoy. I'm sorry, Attorney McCoy. And is pretty salty about it. That's not actually what he's salty about, nor who he has a crush on, but that's what we're meant to think at this point. Well, it's funny because, first of all, they do say, Kevin and Josie say, if there's no reception, that means the Gargoyle King has won, which I think is very funny. Yes, if you don't let me have a party, the terrorists win. And second of all, I called what was coming down the line immediately. Oh, yeah. It's not 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 particularly. Here's the thing. Not subtle. It's not as though they signal it hard. It's just that all the trappings around it are like the exact stereotypical thing that you would do if this is what you were going to have the twist be. Yeah. So. Yep. I just see feet. (laughs) 
Context for the listening audience. Arlie <laughs> is holding a cat whose back feet, like being held like a like a babe in yeah. arms. And her foots, her back foots are just sticking straight up into the air. She does this. It's, it's really amazing. I wish you could all see it. I'll take a picture of it at some point and put it it's, in the Discord. It's really fucking amazing. She anyway, just does this. Choni have some SAT score <laughs> angst, but their scores are actually both extremely good. So whatever, it's fine. Nearly perfect and perfect. Since Something when like did that, they yeah. uh, send you your SAT scores to your phone? Like, I, I guess that would be an email that you could open via your phone, but that's just very mm-hmm. weird to me. I don't remember how I received my SAT scores, but it wasn't like that. I did not take the SAT, so I have no idea. I wish I hadn't. I took it twice, and I did okay both times, but it was very stressful. Yeah, I think I got mine in the mail. It's uh I'm I'm an ancient withered corpse, so I don't remember. Uh, that's how I got my, all my test scores. Like when I did the California high school proficiency exam. Well, I uh, I know to I test got out my of high school, so I didn't have to take the SATs. I got that shit in the mail. I know I got my AP scores online, um, and they were like emailed, and I had to log into the AP website. Can you not put your paw in my mouth? Um, but I don't remember what happened with my SAT scores, and I didn't take the ACT. But you know who probably did take the SAT? Hermione, who shakes down Veggie for some money that they burned, because <laughs> they burned that big old pile of drugs. Uh, this is still hilarious, well, by the hold way. hold on, hold on, let's not move forward yet, because there's something weird in here, in this conversation that Tony and Cheryl have, that I thought was very strange. Do tell. So Cheryl talks about how she wants to go to Highsmith College because that's where all the blossoms have gone. And then she says specifically that she would not want to break blossom tradition. And excuse me, what? <laughs> that should be the only thing you want to do. That that makes literally no sense. It's a very season one Cheryl motivation. Yeah, they're playing pretty fast and loose with like the family legacy thing where like it would seem that they would have us believe that even though the Blossom family legacy is just horrible, there's something about the fact that it's long established that makes it worthwhile somehow. It's it's the, the sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, the it's just, yeah, like she wants to do the parts that aren't just crimes, but I don't know. It struck me as being very, very strange and very out of character, especially with where she's at right now. Yeah, it really seems that way. But Hermione, the mayor of Riverdale, really wants a couple of children to pay her crime debts. And I think it's great. I mean, it is their fault that that there is this problem. But it's still hilarious that she thinks that a couple of kids can solve this problem. Uh, How much money do you guys think it was? I'm curious. The classic TV amount of make people do a big reaction when they look at it. Yeah, seriously. He didn't even say that's a lot of zeros. Like... I'm a little disappointed, um, almost. Honestly. Victoria, Victoria, Jesus Christ, Veronica just said suddenly I'm in an episode of Ozark. Yep. She didn't say Narcos again with her with her little rolled R. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why say a number when a reference will do? Really, it's Riverdale. Hermione points out that the buyer, uh, uh, the prospective buyer who has paid in advance for this whole drug empire thing, is a notoriously unhinged person. Uh, which I think selling off your husband's drug thing that you're having a spat over to a notoriously unhinged violent person is more excellent, powerful thinking by the Lodge clan. Oh, it's yeah. Just- 
perfect shit. They only make good decisions. Yeah. Cheryl then interviews at the aforementioned Highsmith College, the place the Blossom women go to college, TM, where she is informed that diversity initiatives now prevent legacy advantages in the student selection process. Whoops. An obstacle. Very strange. That is all. It's just very strange, yeah. that interaction. Yeah. I I feel like the beginning, at least, of this episode is very disjointed. It's just stuff happening. Like, just to everybody everywhere. No through yep. line. Just, just things occur. Mm-hmm. Moose and Kevin get very close to being outed by a shitty Arazzi guy. It was I a very fast they were scene. Together. They were just sort of making out, and then a guy with a shit-eating little grin is like, I told you we could find them in here. <laughs> That's what he sounded like, too. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Debra, there's there's boys in the room. <laughs> but Some people are gay. It's literally like a 15 second scene. And then there's no consequences. They just like. Oh, no. Just no. like, yep, they're in here. And then they're like, you have to go talk to someone. Right, I yeah, don't remember go. who they had to talk to. <laughs> we, yeah, have yeah. A, we have a function that you must attend. <laughs> Uh, Josie invites Sweet Pea to be her date to her mom's wedding, uh, and he pretty much says that they need to define their relationship if stuff like this is going to keep happening. Uh, and frankly, I gotta, I gotta applaud the little, uh, self-respect thing that Sweet Pea's doing here. Yeah, no, I, I, good for him. He did a good job, and he did it without being shitty to Josie. Yeah, he wasn't mean, he just, he, like, his feelings are pretty strong, and, like, he doesn't know what the stuff they're doing means and he's like i can't just i can't just keep doing all this stuff if i don't know what it means so like let's talk about it and he's he's he did a good job but also it was weird because it's like we haven't had sweet pea josie stuff since like the season premiere yeah yeah so Uh, it was buttressed somewhat by get out of town the riverdale book that came before the season I forgot about any Sweet Pea Josie stuff happening in that, so I'm going to take your word for it. It was still relatively minor, but it's weird that they're building up this um, Kevin and Moose and Josie and Sweet Pea parallel right here. Of like, oh no, they're going through the same conflict. But yeah. but like, of... they're not, though. <laughs> no, they're not. It's absolutely not the same thing. But it, I don't think it's a coincidence that, right, like, their parents are getting married, so they are both given conflicts to deal with in the episode. Like, this episode sort of focuses on them more than, than an average episode would. Sure. Yes. Cheryl then visits, God help me, the Maple Club to Ugh. confront Penelope, accusing uh. her of engineering these anti-nepotism rules herself, somehow. And Penelope all but confirms this, saying that, it, like, yes, I in fact have somehow manipulated the uh, admissions policies at this school uh, in order to stop a college campus from being polluted by one of the gays. And I heard that and I'm like, gay girls have absolutely gone to that school. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, like, no doubt. Isn't it like a women's college? Like, Yeah, that's, I think so. That's... <laughs> I, I feel like that's all I have to say. Yeah. There have definitely been argument. lesbians there before. Yeah, it's a, it's a downstairs taco festival in that place. Oh, why did you say that? That was <laughs> gross. <laughs> but we have sort of buried the lead here. I said, God help me, the Maple Club, for a reason. Yeah. Who wants to who wants to teach our audience about the Maple Club? <laughs> uh, the, the Maple Club is uh, Penelope Blossom's, like, makeshift brothel, essentially. Um... Which is fine, 
but she just, like, lets minors walk in there, I guess? Yeah, as we discussed last <laughs> time, it's a, it's a... It's a weird sex club where the person running it is someone who is, like, weirdly puritanical. Yeah. Uh, well, she's definitely a homophobe. It's very weird. It's very weird indeed. Uh, just just to remind you. I feel like they would have some kind of security or something there that would prevent minors from just walking in the it door. It does not appear to be secured nor secret whatsoever. No, it's just like an open door, like like an unlocked it's... door in a hotel. And then there's just this mm-hmm. giant like set of hotel suite rooms that have been converted into a brothel and everything is fine. It's very strange. I don't know where this is. I don't know how they disguise its existence. It's very strange. I thought it was at the Five Seasons. I do want to point out that usually, usually in a show about a town or a show that takes place in one town for a long time, usually the geography is a little bit vague. Like in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you don't know exactly where all the places are, but you kind of have a bit of an idea, sort of. And like in some right. CW shows or whatever, I feel like in Riverdale, I have absolutely no motherfucking idea where literally anything is ever, except that like Archie's house and Betty's house are next door to each other. Well, and also like, I think they live kind of close to the woods. Right. Cause, cause like someone had to run into the woods from the Black Hood at one point. Right. And also there's an entrance to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy in the woods. Mm-hmm. But how long are the tunnels? Who knows? Just crawling with zombie nuns down there still to this day. <laughs> and there's a very loose north side, south side divide. Yes. Um, which, well, which is... side is anything on? Extremely vague. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we don't resolve this conflict between Cheryl and her mother just yet. Uh, but we more or less get her doing a little mustache twirl. Like, yes, I am, in fact, bad and causing your problems. <laughs> is, is this the scene where Cheryl does the really terrible... Uh, cringy thing, or is it a no? That's, that's the next that. scene with okay. Cheryl. We'll talk about it, but something that Quinn's very excited to talk about happens oh, first. Yeah. Transition <laughs> to what is per the cinema, like per the cinematography, per the language of film. <laughs> we see the honorable attorney McCoy pegging the ever loving shit out of Tom Keller, and he's uh, super into it. Objection. Having pegged the ever-loving shit. Uh, yes, I guess they are on the, the post-pegging part of the evening. But he loves it. Oh, yeah, he, he loves it. Yeah, he does. Um, It really looks like that's what they were recently doing. It looks like they've just finished a good peg sesh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I For the sake of, like, analytical completeness, I do have to point out that the dialogue suggests they're actually about to do something. Uh, but also, but, that doesn't mean that they couldn't have just done something. Correct. They you just, can hold these concepts in your mind at the same time. So yes. they finished the peg sesh. They got Tom's b-hole loose as I'll get out. <laughs> now they're going to transition into the second phase of their lovemaking. It's that simple. Yeah. It, yeah. That's That would seem to be what is... Uh, it's weird that he put his underwear back on. And that afterwards. she like put her little slip back on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the only reason why I was like, this is maybe just foreplay. And then she I says said, she yeah, has to have cost, a snack. The costume she has her department and the direction had a disagreement about whether or not there was uh you know pegging brutal happening. pegging going on yeah. right before uh this uh, scene. Well, and then she walks over to this like little little buffet type thing, and she says, "I'm going to have a snack before I have my other snack." <laughs> I'm just yes. like, are you going to eat his ass? Like, 
Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. How how progressive. How how hip and happening. Um, but anyway, they receive an exceptionally formal death threat on a wax sealed parchment <laughs> from the gargoyle king who demands that they complete the ascension night from all those years ago or else their kids are also in the crosshairs oh no cold open cheryl and kevin then commiserate at school and cheryl does a bumble commercial oh my notes on this just say more trumbling um that's it that's the note uh yeah they they're trumbling it's, so it's against bad. the terms of service. It's just was, against the terms of service. I was talking with this about uh, uh, with a friend about this last night, and we touched on like how Bumble is definitely saying, "Hey, even if you're a teen, we'll let it slide. You can use our app." As seen yes. on Riverdale. Yeah, a show for teens. Um. And it's being... Actually, I think it's a show for trash people like us. But... Well, yeah, but, you know, yeah, it's... At least it's, by season three. It's target demographic is, like, 18 to 25. So I'm the only one here actually in that demographic. Yeah. But I don't know that it still is. Well, that's I think fair. they might have started there. It I is genuinely a beast think... unto itself struggling to survive. Yeah, and also my 60-year-old parents watch it. So there's that, too. Uh, <laughs> so but... I genuinely think... That it might be targeted toward their their demographics. I do. But also, think that like the, they're showing the demo... high schoolers use it, so it's yeah, weird. It, it, it's very. It odd. is weird Excuse that high me. schools are using it. Yes, but like, oh god, like the the level of sincerity. I've I've seen better ad reads on YouTube sponsored content than this. Like mm-hmm. she she's like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Bumble, the convenient dating app where you can blah, 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 blah. Like, it's yeah. so shoehorned in and not smooth at all. There's there's no lube on this sponsored content. No. Ugh, yeah. You know, just bring it back to uh, what we were talking about before. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Cheryl launches an LGBTQIA alliance club, and no, the A does not stand for ally. And in the announcement, she says that a uh, person is afraid to come out and that uh, the school should show him that it's an accepting place. And very nearly names Moose for how specific the description is. It's fucking disastrous. Yeah, horrible stuff. It, this is, yeah. Hindenburgian. It, it was really, really rough. I... <sighs> Cheryl, you're better than this. Yep. It is an incredibly devastating, very stupid mistake. It Holy doesn't make shit. sense for her to have done this. Like not it, much. No. Mm-mm. As a lesbian who was like terrified to be outed to her mother, it does not make sense for her to have done this. No. And no. the thing she like she doesn't see it, I guess, as being an outing, even though but even and that's that, the mistake. Like, that's that's the incredible stupidity. She thinks that it is vague enough that it's not going to cause any problems. And no, it's no not. Fucking way. It's way too specific. Yeah. No, I don't know. I feel like Cheryl is generally and historically too smart for this to have been a mistake that she would make. I agree. This I is agree so with you. stupid. Like, it does, however, there's a little silver lining, which is that when... Moose asks Kevin if he put Cheryl up to this. He says, no, I'm opposed to publicly outing people unless they're conservative politicians. Get him, Kevin! My mom has said that she's going to rewatch Riverdale, and I am just Hmm. waiting for her to get to this specific line. So good. I'm, I'm, with bated breath, I am waiting. 
It's and the only thing I want. Kevin, you're correct. You have successfully identified the only category of people who deserve to be publicly outed. Yep. Because if you are actively destroying the human rights of a group that you belong to to get clout and money and stuff, you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Kevin gives Moose an ultimatum, unable to continue dating someone who has to keep everything a secret, uh, and we leave it hanging. Uh, for tension, I guess. Tony then confronts Cheryl, correctly pointing out that Cheryl's announcement was way too specific and over several lines. Mm-hmm. She points out that the serpents occupied the same aspirational space for her that Highsmith College did for Cheryl, and that, frankly, Cheryl has kind of fucked that all up with their uh, crime spree. Mm-hmm. She did participate, but we get the idea that it was kind of Cheryl's joint. Like, it was her, her plan. Uh, yeah. Cheryl promises tearfully to fix everything and if anyone can just manifest the superpowers to do that it's probably cheryl yes probably Um, to be fair uh in in what we've learned so far in the show yeah i'm like i'm glad this scene exists in as much as cheryl needed to be called out for this Mm -hmm. i don't know but it it is kind of just a whole weird situation because you didn't really it doesn't make sense for this to have happened in the first place Right. No, it's just, it's such an odd lapse in judgment. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just doesn't, it's it's very, very like, whoa, you just caught the idiot ball. So, and it was such a heavy idiot ball. Like there, there are a lot of ways that they could have portrayed Cheryl as being selfish and self-centered and like not thinking about other people before she does something. And this was not it for me. Like I just, of all of the things she could have possibly done, why this? It doesn't make yeah. sense. Archie then runs across a very, very, very anxious Josie. Uh, Juilliard auditions are coming up, and she dumped Sweet Pea to stay focused on music, which appears to have been a mistake, not just emotionally, but uh, getting a ride to the audition-wise as well. Uh, She's got no backup plan educationally. However, Archie has a restored jalopy, which I'm glad. (laughs) I was glad to see make a return appearance at this point. Spoiler alert. We don't actually see it. So again, <laughs> they are giving me automotive blue balls in Riverdale. This is just a thing that happens with the souped up uh, hot rods and hearses and now with the jalopy. I wish it would stop. They got to cool it. They got to cool stop it. Stop yeah. promising me cool car things. If you're not going to show me cool car things. I don't think you've seen the jalopy since like the beginning of the season. Because yes, that's like, true. They had that weird music that was playing and they went to the, the Sweetwater swimming hole. That is and correct. Uh, Archie made a like disgusting sex act joke. <laughs> yep. Uh, Veronica angsts over accounting records. They're fucked. The Bonwe is properly, truly fucked. Reggie suggests that they steal his dad's money, which is technically so, borrowing money from his future self. That's not how laws work, Reggie. <laughs> and the money's insured. And he beats Reggie anyway, does Reggie's dad. Fuck that guy. Veronica loves this plan. Let's do no, it. Right. So this is weird. Because theoretically, I'm kind of into it. Because, like, Reggie's dad does suck, right? And yeah. And the money's the insured, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, who cares if the money's insured? Reggie's dad doesn't deserve to have money. Because no, he's Reggie's a piece dad doesn't shit. deserve to have money. He's a piece of shit. How- however, if we're talking about idiot ball moving around, Reggie's not usually, like, <laughs> at the top of the pack in terms of, like, good ideas or plans <laughs> no, or whatever. He, what he's good at is idiot ball. He catches that ball. He's so good. And he drops into a deep squat when he catches it. <laughs> he, he receives the ball with his whole body. Yeah. He really gets into it. And, I like uh, this game. He's, he's carrying that load this episode. 
that heavy, heavy ball. He has dumb bitch disease, and he it's, does. it's terminal. Like, <laughs> he and Archie must battle forever for the title of dumbest boy. So oh. is that that's Veronica's type then? Is just like oh yeah, just oh yeah. Like, no, are you, are, is there any dispute? <laughs> not even like himbosity because they're not like they're not necessarily nice um mm-hmm. or good or kind no but just jacked idiots like, yeah they're they're <laughs> jacked and stupid <laughs> yeah and that's her type i guess and i, I guess just, sometimes it definitely is it definitely it, is it's just amazing reggie being like there's only security there in the evening he loves to go to lunch at pops's you know and what that like, means uh, and flash forward, there is security. He was just wrong. I, like, and they didn't like check or anything it before so they much did ass. this. Like, oh no, I was wrong. It's <laughs> the funniest shit on planet Earth. It's so good. And then he gets to the car. And he's uh, like, we'll, ta- we'll talk about it. We'll talk we'll about because like it. if this was a comedy, this would be genuinely yeah, inspired. Like, potential, I would applaud it. Uh, I don't think it was meant to be funny though. No, no it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But God, it was. Uh, the Midnight Club all got Gargoyle King invitations. It turns out Tall Boy was not the Gargoyle King. Just using it as a cover for a drug operation because that makes sense. <laughs> like if I want to sell drugs, I definitely need to pretend to be a like local folkloric semi-supernatural murderer figure that's how i sell my drugs is that oh, not yeah. what you do yeah uh the real gargoyle king the upshot is is still out there penelope says that gargoyle king is active again because mccoy and keller are getting married and are daring to be happy which pisses the gargoyle king off they decide to finish the game that they started why didn't they do that when hermione and hiram got married then Makes you think. My guess is that they were, like, in New York at that point. Maybe. Also, think about Hiram for a second. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. Josie's audition. Turns out we don't actually hear much of the music here, but, like, I just want to give a shout-out to casting. The proctor of this exam is just about the most joyless human being I've seen in my life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She may have one drop of blood somewhere in her body. Like, it was excellent (laughs) casting. Like... If that person proctored anything that I had to do, I'd be like, oh, God. Just, like, shit your pants and leave. Like, that's it. That's my audition. Goodbye. Like, she could be cast in some other show as, like, the personification of death. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. I love, I love, like, the the old bird-looking lady type deal. I love that. Mm. So Oh, like Jimmy Neutron's teacher. Yeah. Yeah, uh, what the fuck was her name? Not that it matters, but now this is know. going to bother me. Um, anyways, continue. I'm going to look that up so that I don't need to yeah, keep thinking it's, uh, about it. Yeah, it, it was a brief little scene, but like, man, they really did a good job setting up the nervous mood. Feeling like, oh man, I might I might really chunk this. Yeah. Veronica serves as a getaway driver for Reggie, who has been shot by security, I... who in fact was there. My notes are immediately, Reggie got shot, LaMau. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, a, it's Miss Fowl, by the way, which is a, is very appropriate. Oh, nice. Quite appropriate. Um, I I do have to point out just the sheer volume of precious seconds when there is a gunman after you that they waste talking about the fact that Reggie was shot and well, he was wrong about the security without driving. They're not driving that, and talking. They're, they're parked. Wastes. 
because mm-hmm. Veronica is the one behind the wheel. So it yeah, is. Yeah, Veronica's just like, now nah, we don't need to leave yet. Like, and Reggie's like, uh, go, amazing. please. She's just it's idling in the car. It's such a stupid scene. It's so good. And she's got it's... her weird little getup on that she wears when she's doing sneaky stuff. Doing the, the... noir stuff. Yeah, yeah, with her headscarf and her sunglasses. Gotta get dressed the... up for that. Uh, it's so good. Anyway, uh, this yeah, this scene is unintentional comedy gold, and I watched it a couple of times. Like it feels, <laughs> it almost feels like a Breaking Bad spoof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're watching along, do yourself a favor and let yourself watch this scene a couple extra times. It's it's funnier every time. It's really fucking funny. <laughs> So Choni then begin what they call Operation Fifty Shades of Blackmail. Bad. The problem with this plan is that Penelope instantly finds them. Just yeah, it's amazing. She is behind them when they announce this plan. I think that she has some sort of magic power which allows her to manifest immediately I, behind she, anyone within her domain. She passed it on to Cheryl. Cheryl has this ability to lurk until she like the perfect time for her to enter time a conversation. For an and yeah. she got it from her mother. It is hereditary. Um they do a bit of a standoff here, but none of them really have anything to say. Like the the conversation basically goes, Don't blackmail me. <laughs> We're gonna blackmail ya. Grr. <laughs> Like, there's there's no movement in the plot or this conflict. They just are well, not happy with each other. That's I it. Think, I think you missed perhaps the most important dynamic in that, which is on top of that, there's also you're gay and, well, you're a sex worker. Yeah, and then, and then. <laughs> Ew! And then, and then Cheryl does just the worst thing. And she, she takes this little, like, cat of nine tails or whatever and she she snaps it. I'm talking. She snaps it in her hands, and she goes, "We know how to dominate too." And then it cuts to the next scene. And I mean, it makes in you fairness, barf. this is just payback for the maple syrup licking deep eye contact thing uh, from mm-hmm. earlier. It's, it's still terrible. I hated yes, all it, of it. It is quite terrible. Teufel. She also hates it. Yes, she um, does. Rightfully so. And, and she's yeah, she's right to hate it. Archie meets Josie at Pops. Uh, turns out she was not accepted to Juilliard despite a great performance. Josie despairs of forsaking all other things in life for her music and failing in the end. It's really a real-life illustration of the uh, philosophical concepts in the classic romantic music piece, In the End, by Linkin Park. Oh, God. Um, she did. She she tried so hard and got so far. And in the end, it doesn't even matter. Her. See, one thing is, I don't know why it doesn't even matter how hard you try. Keep that in mind, folks. Yeah. I I have a question, though. Was was the phrase mad sapphic capers part of the previous scene? I think it was. Yeah, that was the jab that was, well, you're gay. That's the highlight. It's true. I I apologize for missing that. My my singular note on that scene is, I love mad sapphic capers. Mm -hmm. More mad sapphic Uh capers, please. Honestly. Someone's got to. But anyway... Uh, Archie, uh, commiserating, offers to be Josie's date uh, to her mom's wedding. Veggie then do some backwoods sawbones medicine on Reggie's fortunately just grazed arm. And like, I guess it's fine. Like they can treat a gunshot wound. (laughs) It's very normal stuff. And Reggie gets fucking blasted by a dye pack and the bag of cash. (laughs) Like just escalating the stupidity of this plan and these kids holy shit they're so dumb 
I love this. This is so good. Okay, folks, the opposite thing is happening. When I first watched these episodes, I liked the previous episode more than this one, but talking about it made me grumpy. I liked this episode less when I initially watched it, but talking about it is giving me a very good mood. That's good. No, I I feel you there. Like, this is... What the fuck is up with Reggie? (laughs) Reggie clearly heard his dad talk about running the business, like, once or twice. But, like, he's presenting that, like, no, I've gone and I've done work with my dad. Like, he's walked me through the whole thing. He he hasn't. No, he absolutely um, hasn't. You overheard him talk about a couple things at the dinner table. Oh, God. And, like, he didn't even bother to do any research Hell no. at all. No I mean, of recon. course he didn't. But Veronica, I mean, Veronica is also extremely stupid. They just have her say There's big a words, variable so stupidity stupid. with Veronica. There's like, a variable stupidity she, with Veronica. She's stupid I do... with a good vocabulary, and I will stand by that. Yeah, once in a while she'll do something smart. It's usually, uh, it's not actually smart, though. It's actually usually another heritable superpower in the Riverdale universe, which is, like, how Hiram can just have things work if they are sort of crimey. Like, even if yeah. nothing about it should work. Veronica's got a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the Bonwee. Like, it's still a business that is up and running. That's fucking impossible. Yeah. Um, but uh, <sighs> but it, 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 it works out for her. So there are these heritable powers. It's very interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. What? Why are you yelling? Come here. Come here. <sighs> Twyfle thinks that Cheryl and her mother need to stop trying to sexually intimidate each other because it's really gross. Yeah. (laughs) So loud. (laughs) In case any of this makes it in, listeners, this cat's not being abused. This cat is being gently held, and I don't think she's even upset about being held. She just likes yelling. I mean, she doesn't love being held, but... I am in no way hurting her at all. Rob can confirm, like, she's yeah, the cat's at this fine. Happening. Cat's fine. Cat's just very, very loud. <laughs> what the fuck was that? You've not made that noise before. I'm <laughs> trying something out. <laughs> so when they had the catnip, she was just rolling around and like yelling intermittently at no one and nothing. I—that's the least surprising thing I've heard in my life. It was very anyway. Cute. Yeah, just blasted by this dye pack. The money is, <laughs> is is inky, and so is Reggie, and it's very funny. Uh, the ineptitude is unrelenting. Wait, okay, so he takes a duffel bag full of money. Yes. Was there just a duffel bag full of money in the safe? Yes. That had a dye pack in it? Like, that doesn't... Yes. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but that's definitely exactly what happened. Like, where would you put the dye pack in a duffel bag so that it would be triggered like i don't understand uh, i guess it was connected by like a little safety pin type dealy bob to like both sides of the zipper so that if the zipper gets unzipped and, and like the, the flap and gets, gets open gets widened at all it just blows up the point is like he was very very stupid and not careful at all and it's great <laughs> yeah he just got completely blasted it's great moose then comes out to his dad which goes better than expected which caused me at this point in my notes to fear that another shoe will drop uh yeah so yes it, it did we're not definitely we're not, like subverting expectations here and i thought my my immediate take was oh did moose even actually tell his dad 
The answer turns out to be yes. And his dad said, this is fine. Yeah, we're acting like things are going to be okay so that we can surprisingly subvert it later. Yeah, they telegraphed like the whole end of this. The guy looks like a cop like he has he he has that thumb look to him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He looks like a thumb like every like white guy uh, in his 40s or later who's a cop like they all look the same like they look like thumbs. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. he runs the Razzi. This guy's not okay with gay people. Come on. <laughs> we'll it's find a, out it's why a CWTV show. You don't think you can put this over on me. Anyway. <laughs> Highsmith College has reconsidered their anti-legacy policy, and Cheryl does a fucking power move saying, Your your face-to-face interviews are limited, and it would be insane not to admit me. So interview Tony instead. <laughs> And they just go with it. They're like, yep, that sounds good. I like that she did that. Yes, it's very good. Sure, this whole college thing is clearly a goddamn kangaroo court. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) It's it runs much like other things do in Riverdale. It doesn't. It's very fly by night. Yeah. The intermediaries for the mysterious drug operation buyers are Gladys Jones. And I don't remember which one it is, but it's Lug Newt's American yeah. cousin. Yeah. Lug Newt and Tiel Pipe. Uh, veggie beg for some time to get the rest of the money together. So something that is actually very funny about this is when it's revealed to them who Gladys is. There is a very real teenager reaction that happens where, like, you can see them unclench and go like, oh, thank God, please just give us more time. <laughs> please, yeah. Mrs. We're Jones. We're friends with your kid, please. Yeah, we're friends with your son. Please don't butcher us. Like, But they're kind of not, though, is the thing. Yeah, I mean. Veronica's kind of his friend. Our, uh, Reggie is not. Like, no, but Veronica just paid Jughead to do Nora investigations last episode, so they at least have a relationship. Uh, yeah. Gladys takes Reggie's car as collateral and stipulates that if they tell Jughead about any of this, she'll go to Hiram and blow everything up. She seems competent, right? Like, she judges that they can probably get more money, but she takes collateral and makes, like, a, a huge threat that she can easily act on to ensure that they behave and I, I just wrote in my notes that competence feels shocking and nearly unfair in this yeah. show. Yeah. It, it's like she is mainlining the, the secret truths of the universe and well, no one's got a fucking chance. And we're going to see where that's going in a second, like at the yeah. end of this episode. It's very funny. Cheryl apologizes to Moose. When he tells her that he and Kevin are finally spending a night together, Cheryl straight up says, bring some fresh sheets. That cot is a sex cot for sex. It's the Funker, so yes. The Funker. Cannot believe that for their beautiful, romantic first night of intimacy together, they're going to the fucking Funker. Why would you do, like, that's... I feel like if Kevin asked his dad to have the house empty, he would. Yeah. No fighting. No, there's no way he wouldn't. Like, he sucked as a law enforcement officer, but, like, by all he's accounts, he's like, a, he's, he's like a good dude overall. Like, he was just terrible at his job and needed a different job. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what he does now, but he, he gets pegged by the by the town's uh, attorney. So, like, that's good. <laughs> Former good. mayor attorney. And <laughs> he job, loves it. Job. And he loves it so much. <laughs> he loves it. Uh, so, you know, like, yeah, good, good, good on him. <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, son. I... It's fun. Yeah, you'll have fun. It'll be good. I'll be at the yeah. five seasons. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just it, this 
why do they insist on having the teens fuck in the bunker? I, I can't, like, I can't. It's a ritual why? to appease their dark god, early, but... No, uh, it- it's horrible. There was a dead guy in there. There was just yeah. a dead guy in yeah, there. Yeah, there was recently a dead guy probably rotting still in there stink. for a while. It probably Archie, still stink like, like him. Archie, bled on that bed for several days a while ago. Like they kept, they kept a feral Boy Scout down there. I just, like, personal preference, maybe. But if I had a partner and they were like, hey, I know a place. And they took me to this fucking bunker underground and they were like yeah all the all the kids in town fucking here i'd be like i have to go <laughs> this is disgusting i it's need to leave bad. immediately <laughs> like the, the the just the unsanitary of it all Ugh. it's bad it's pretty it's grody just, it is horrible crazy hamburger yeah we now get the midnight club reunion uh, penelope's brought a cyanide antidote which is a bit odd. Like, are we meant to understand that the Gargoyle King will simply be cool with that? Isn't killing someone kind of the point? Yeah, I don't know. Also, he's, uh, it's ahead. strange. And also, Joe looked this up as we were watching the episode. You can literally buy cyanide antidote, like, at the drugstore. Like, it's not something that Penelope would need her special resources to get access to. You it's can probably buy it a really common, like, accidental workplace self-poisoning thing for various right. industries. Because it's useful in a lot of things. Well, it, go- it goes back to, like, the whole, oh, the blossoms are the only ones who grow oleander. How do you know that? It's a, you- it's a, plant, it's a plant. And it has a name. I feel like somebody else has probably grown like, it. How, do, how yeah. do you know that? Are you, do you go and, like, inspect everyone's gardens every night in Riverdale? Oleander police! <laughs> Open up. Um, I just how 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 do you know the Riverdale Oleander Policing Department roped? God. You better not be growing any poisons in here. Not because it's illegal, but because that's not your racket. <laughs> Only the blossoms can grow poison. I can't do it like a like a gruff man, the gruff man voice, but it's all it's all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 odd that they seem to think that they can game the system in this way successfully. Uh, They're going to finish the game they started, though, and they proceed as though this will definitely count and get them out of trouble. We do a brief cutaway to Moose and Kevin getting shit started in dearly departed Dilton Doily's dugout dungeon. Uh, Wow. These type of scenes... Thank you. These type of scenes are pointless. Like the the sex scenes between teenagers... I hate uh, it so much. ...that that we just do in the show are are pointless. They're pointless. They're going to amp that up to the maximum. I must point out that we sure do cut away faster and it's less explicit than we have with hetero pairings and oh, yeah. uh, even with Choni. So there's definitely a hierarchy of like boy girl wallow in it, girl girl boobies. Show just a little bit like ooh that's <laughs> yeah. fun. You can guy linger. guy hell no. We're cutting out as fast mm-hmm. as humanly fucking possible and frankly I'm offended. Yeah, it's bad. We shouldn't have any of these scenes. But if no. we do, like they should all get you, you have to play time. it evenly because yeah. you literally have three more of them coming up this episode. Oh, God. Yeah. And it's terrible. And they're like mostly undressed in all of those. And I'm like, yep. why? And like Kevin and Moose are in T-shirts and boxers. Oh, yeah. Like very Mormon feel to that, yeah. um, which is uh, weird. But the Midnight Club cannot find the chalices. And Penelope suddenly screams. Uh, and it got you is written in blood on a wall. And all <laughs> of the Midnight jokered. Club Yeah, all the Midnight Club people just instantly intuit that Gargoyle King just wanted them to be lured away from their kids. Like they just make this conclusion 
and no one has any other explanation. Yeah. Uh, so everyone calls their children. Yes, everyone and calls their kids, and everyone is fucking. fucking. Everyone is fucking. Yep, everyone. <sighs> All these pairs of kids just going at it. We do get a wonderful line from Cheryl, though. Why are you calling, calling Night Hag? <laughs> Which is so good. <laughs> I just love it. Not it's... as good as Galunatic, but Nighthag is very powerful. <laughs> Galunatic is, is yeah, no, seriously Galunatic one is of the all-time uh, lines. But there's no cell reception in the Funker. <laughs> so everyone's very worried about Kevin. Uh, gargoyles of the Gargoyle Gang show up in force to the Fuck Bunker, which I, I wrote Fuck Bunker in my notes, but like, man, Funker. Mm. No, Funker's great. That's real good. I love Funker. They abduct Kevin and Moose. And I have a question. How Shoot. did they know where they were? I don't know. Did they track um, them? Well, well, uh, if we're basing this on what happens at the end of the episode, do we do we want to wait till the end of the episode to answer this question? Because I have a theory that hinges on the ep- okay, end we of can, episode reveal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah let's, we wait. let's wait and we can, we can unpack it. Because, um, yeah, it looks like they were being trailed. And, like, because if we presume that either of them told their parents we're going to spend a night together because they said like parental permission was important for them spending a night together. Right. That was like sort of part of the concept. God, which means that the funker is a choice. If they had informed their parents that they were going to be doing this and they said, and we're going to be going and I want you to know we're being safe. We're doing it in Dilton Doily's funker. Um, they just had a dead man inside of it. I feel like, again, at least Tom Keller would be like, buddy, I can go to the five seasons and you can go to Fucktown in your bedroom. So I have no idea. This yeah, is very a, strange. It's a very weird turn of events. Kevin and Moose are brought before the Gargoyle King and offered chalices. Moose refuses, but they are just going to get stabbed if they refuse. So Kevin flips the coin and goes for it. But the Gargoyle King gets an arrow from Cheryl and FP shows up along with some of the Midnight Club. The gargoyles are unmasked as the Razzi, and the gargoyle king is Moose's dad. Moose's dad says that there was actually no poison, and, uh, like, don't worry, I'm not that bad, I'm just traumatizing my kid, because he's gay. Well, it's um, really funny, because Effie's like, why'd you do it? And he's like, I was just trying to scare him, and Effie's like, yeah, scared straight! <laughs> At least FP is very mad about it. He puts some real spice on it. Yeah. Boy. At least FP hates this, you know? Oh, yeah, no, I love he that hates, he hates it. It's um, awful. He hates it so turns much. Turns out that uh, Moose's dad had a thing for Keller back in the day, not oh, yeah. McCoy. Whoa. And got sent to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy uh, for conversion therapy where he was there hooked on the G&G. Uh, so this is all a jealousy and self-loathing thing going on, uh, which we could have, like I said, it, it felt like it was coming. Uh, they telegraphed his characterization so and like everything around him. It felt that way. Yeah, there's. It's very hard not to see this coming. FP and Jughead unpack this Gargoyle King whack-a-mole situation that they're facing and get a surprise visit from Jellybean and Gladys. It is really funny though that they say we keep taking down Gargoyle Kings and they keep popping up again. <laughs> like, thank you. We've noticed. You need yeah, to stop. Like, it is. It is. Shit. You're right. That is a bad thing that's happening in the plot of season three. You're Please, right. Please shit or get off the pot. <laughs> Uh, they they did it with the Black Hood, now they're doing it even more with the Gargoyle King, I've noted. Um, but yeah, J- Gladys and Jellybean show up, and they announce that they're staying a while, which is, I guess, nice, but there is some serious awkwardness regarding F Palace uh, on the horizon. Josie seems through the worst of it with the Juilliard rejection, and she and Archie do a duet, a musical it's performance. Which time. I assume that 
a musical duet uh, means that there's a song happening, which means that we're going to have like ironic intercut scenes. Um, I think we do the thing where we kind of do that, but we fade the song out and bring the song back later. Like some of yeah. this stuff is not under the music. Like they couldn't make it all work with the music or something. But uh, McCoy and Keller seem quite happy in their post-nuptial, probably post-pegging bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moose is moving to Glendale because uh, his dad is a monster. And thusly is Moose probably written off of the show, uh, which seems like maybe that's the whole point of this episode. It was rough because when they showed up in the bunker, I was like, ah, are they going to bury the gays? Just like, I mean, you do can't that let them be happy. It's almost revolutionary that they've even managed to like have Choni be a thing for as long as it has been. Uh, yeah. But again, like the the uh, the point cost in building your Warhammer army of a uh, network TV show in America, like the point cost of a uh, male male couple is much higher yeah yes because there's no boobies so yeah if you can't look at the buppus then what's the point yeah <laughs> uh i don't know i don't know it's uh it seems to be something that troubles them uh cheryl gives tony a gift this is the best <laughs> shit in the world it's so fucking it. wild it doesn't make any sense she gifts tony with a gang i have manifested a new gang all girls all bad news looking girls the pretty poisons is the Hate name it. that tony comes Hate up with it. which is a so, very very bad name look, sometimes a family is just two girlfriends and a dozen random girls you turned into a gang that's true yep um, and then Cheryl says the, the most terrible thing, which is pretty by day, poison by night. It rules. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. If it's you thought the serpents so, were bad. so stupid. It's such a bad name for a gang. It's such a bad gimmick. It's rough. It's, it's so amazing. And I, I'm here uh, to let you know, they don't let up on it. Oh, God. Thank God, just give me something. I'm I just want to be out of the coma Finally zone. Finally some good fucking food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hermione is surprised that Gladys has showed up. And apparently Gladys is the buyer herself, uh not an intermediary. Gladys is the unhinged and dangerous one, which is in fact quite consistent with what she's done so far in the show. Let me just mutilate this woman. Hell yeah. Love mutilating people. Jellybean, as the baby, uh, is shown to be master of FP's soul uh, (laughs) and in on the bit of manipulating the Jones men. And Gladys looks forward to consequence-free crimes with her ex-husband, the sheriff. Yep. It's going to be crime time, baby! It's (laughs) free crimes! No one's crime town! You got free crimes. You got your husband is the sheriff. You've got nobody in this town knows how to make a plan. You got everybody in this town is scared of me for some you reason. You got a lifetime membership in the Purge Club. Wait, okay. Did they actually get divorced? I don't think they're divorced. Maybe they're just separated. Yeah, maybe yeah. it is right. husband, husband. Could well huh. be. I mean, they are they are practically exes. Right. And the uh, the episode closes with Jarchi doing a kiss. Jarchi time. That's That's the episode. Yeah, it really is. I don't know about you folks, but I've got this pegged as an awfully great episode. It's, I don't know if I'd say it's a great episode. It was um, (laughs) better than some of the other ones we've watched recently. No, it's really, it's not that great. I just needed to talk about pegging more. Um, No, it it was, 
it was interesting though. I'll give it that. Yeah, we're we're sort of moving pieces around. Uh, you know, in a meta sense, I get I get the feeling as we discussed that last episode was a big reset. Like they just realized that they were fucked, that they had painted themselves into just a million corners at once. They had no idea how to handle anything, and they just needed to blow it all up. And they used noir as glue to try to hold together these huge like mulligans that they were doing. And this feels like they're now developing pieces out onto the chessboard for (laughs) take two of season three. Basically, yeah. So my my theory as to why the gargoyles, quote unquote, knew where to find Kevin and Moose is so... Do, do we all remember the gentleman in the beginning of the episode who was like, I knew we'd find them in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this guy is uh, a creep and a stalker and a narc. And he just like somehow found out about them spending a night together. And was I like, actually I like that going theory. To the bunker. Mm-hmm. I like that theory. I think that's probably what happened. We'll get into a little more of the details there later on, not to tip my hand too much. But we start with River Dews. Who started last time? Oh, fuck, I, I started last time. I think... When so it should be me. This, or no, yes, you start this time. I don't. My Riverdue is a little weak. Um, I'm gonna have to like learn how to emotionally handle Riverdues a little more because anything good that happens is going to be spoiled by future poor decision making in the writing. Yes. Um. So I need to stop feeling like they're weak. I need to like live in the moment, <laughs> ride the vibes. Yeah. I'm just gonna say Josie and Archie as a couple make way more sense than any previous pairing of characters, except maybe like Bughead. And hey, it's an opportunity to put the foot in the door to bringing back elements of Archie's old characterization that were just thrown in the trash when he became some sort of horny crime monster. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that Josie represents one of the wholesome things that Archie was good at and like enjoyed and cared about that have just been like thrown aside well and also one of their like first major interactions in this few this uh, this set of episodes is her being like you need to get your shit straight just yeah. figure your shit out this is unacceptable right yeah i mean I, she threw him in that shower yeah. i am initially on board the, she gave him the cocks well and like and 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 like he was very supportive of her with her like audition thing and the fallout from it and didn't like make it about him somehow didn't somehow get stabbed in a parking lot or whatever yeah. like no like, like it what just the fuck? it seems like she's a great influence on him and Archie's like being very good they yeah. have a legitimate and deep shared interest they seem good influences on one another so far. It's been, you know, early days. It's, but an, it's an episode and a half, basically. Initially, but... initially, I am on board for Jarchi, and that's my Riverdue. All right. I like it. So, Quinn, what's good, my friend? Uh, For me, my good thing was basically, and I feel like this is undercut within the text of the episode itself, so it feels bad. <laughs> oh, um, no. I guess... I already called attention to it. It was nice that Cheryl was, like, held to account for outing Moose. Like, in terms of, like, okay, here's a thing, and we're kind of explicitly saying, hey, don't do that. But then it's undercut It's a very parable kind of thing, isn't it? It is. Like, it's very... Kids, don't do this. Yeah. It's bad. Don't play with too many knives. <laughs> but then it's cut by the episode a lot, because then... Like, Moose immediately forgives her, and it's like, oh, no, it's fine, because my dad accepted me. Except his dad didn't accept him. And so I hope next episode... But Moose is gone now, right? Mm -hmm. Moose is gone, so... Cheryl better feel like the world's biggest turd about this. Yeah, but she won't. 
Probably. Yeah, not. they're probably just gonna sweep it under the rug, which sucks. But like, this should be something that like Cheryl should be like, oh my god, like th- this was such a huge fucking mistake I made. Oh my Jesus you Christ, I'm traumatized two because lives. I did such a bad thing. Yeah, she exploded two people's lives. So yeah. like, no, don't. But she was called out one time, and I was like, oh, maybe this will be helpful. I think it's not gonna come up again though. So I'm like, no, we'll okay, see. probably not. Like things it was don't just like things don't yeah. stick around. I think I don't remember if this is a fever dream or if I actually said this on the last episode. But again, it's reminiscent of nothing more than WWE. Booking, you did say like storyline booking. Like like things don't like continue to matter and things are randomly forgotten or brought back up with no rhyme or reason. Yeah, my river do. Um, when when the parents are calling their children. And Cheryl says, "Ugh, it's my hateful mother. What do you want, Night Hag? Uh, <laughs> that is not my Riverdue. This is the lead up to my Riverdue. Um, Penelope then tells her, Cheryl, keep your bow close. Which, like, that being the thing she says to her daughter when she's worried about her life is so, like, it's so funny to me, but also delightful. Because I love that, like, Cheryl just, like, is the town archer. Like, is that even a thing? Mm-hmm. But everyone knows. Everyone knows <laughs> she, that's what Everyone she knows does. that she has this superpower. Everyone knows and, it. And then, and then she fucking shoots Moose's dad with an arrow and it's great. Yep. She just like is leading the cavalry. And it's very good. It's it's delightful. I love uh I love As Archie Jughead Cheryl. helpfully observed in season two, Cheryl doesn't miss. I thought that was season one. Or season three rather. Beginning of season three. Oh, maybe it was. Because uh it was when they were rescuing Hot Dog, which was the first episode oh, of season. Oh, that three. was season three. Was it? I thought it was a yeah, my brain's so scrambled, I thought it was a season two thing. Yeah. Well, who, well sometime God, a who while knows? ago. Anyway. Who Cheryl knows? doesn't miss. Yeah, good, That's good, the good important river do, good river do. Yeah. My river down is the cringy, thudding, invasive, abrasive tone of the sponsored Bumble content. <laughs> I it was like it just it just wrecked the scene. It wrecked my ability to be experiencing the narrative or the character the characters going on. Like I I saw actors sitting on a set reading clumsily shoehorned in mm-hmm. ad copy it yeah it felt it was kind of like getting stabbed in the ear by a dried turd wow mm-hmm. interesting okay uh i was really rude. really hated that scene <laughs> it was pretty bad um even and it would be my river don't even without the weird like teenagers will look the other way if you use our dating app thing that's going on multiple times now it just, it was even more obviously, like, I remember the Halcyon days, Quinn, when we talked about how, like, delightful and lovable we found the obviousness of some of the product placement, but this is the oh, opposite yeah. of that. It is, it is turned. It has I'm, curdled. I miss the Coverdale, or the, wow, Jesus Coverdale. Christ. <laughs> I miss the CoverGirl product placement. That was so funny to me. The, the, this is, the this is that, but it has gone to rot. Well, because they have to talk about it, and it's not just like, um, it's not just Alice saying different crazy glamour things. shots of like, products. Yeah, yeah. And that, like the the mascara glamour shot, I it literally haunts me. But it's so funny. Um, it's amazing. And then you know Alice saying like, "Oh, this shade of red name doesn't look good on you. You should try this shade of pink name." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, missed that. So that's my river down. It was uh it was a very like jarring, unpleasant, stupid. It was trembling. 
transparent scene to watch and I did not enjoy the one bit. No. Yeah. So for me, I had two that were in competition. Probably my second one, which is arguably like the worst one, is going to be Arlie's unless I'm mistaken. Possibly. So make uh, the gamble, you know, and, and we can talk about what the other one was if it doesn't pan out. Yeah, I'll, I guess I'll make yeah. the gamble. So, I have like two top ones, so. All right. That's um, some decent coverage. I think we're probably going to get it. Yeah, we'll see. Um, So my my river don't that is more irritating and confusing than it is just like outright horrific. And we didn't really talk about it too much over the course of this episode. But what actually happens is in a bunch of scenes, characters are basically turning directly to the scene and saying shit about the idea of legacy. They're like, the theme of this episode is legacies. We're thinking yeah. about legacy. What will I do without my family's legacy? It's my right to the money because it's my legacy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to get into the college because it's my legacy. I so, want a gang because that's my legacy. That's my legacy. Ugh. Right. So that was weird and irritating. And it's like, I get the theme and you're not even executing on the theme that well. Like you no, didn't actually just, make this that much about legacies. So shut you up. just said the word a bunch of times. No, you just had a ton of legacy related shit happen. Like, but the, yeah, there's no through line. You just said the word and just saying the word doesn't make it the theme of the show. Or the episode or whatever. Yep. Um, well, my top river don't is the... I mean, like, Cheryl outing Moose was bad because it was a terrible thing to do. But also, it was so out of character for her. And I just, I'd it argue that's worse. Sense. I'd argue um, that's worse because the episode frames what she did as a bad, terrible thing that people shouldn't do. So there's right. at least a level of consistency there. But, like, that she did it is so wild. Yeah, like, as as a queer person with trauma about, or like, surrounding being outed to your parents without your consent, like, you would think that she wouldn't do that. And it wouldn't even cross her mind. Yes, she's very myopic, but that's not, the, like, I don't know. That's I, so I personally relatable. Yeah, mm-hmm. like... That's like one of the few things where she can put herself in someone else's shoes because she has lived that experience. And so right. I I don't know. I felt like it was like the worst possible thing they could have done to show her being myopic. Um, yep. So I don't know. It was so clumsy and just completely not a thing that I think Cheryl would have done. And like, oh, yeah, she fumbled and did a really stupid thing. But like, why that stupid thing? Yeah, I feel it's like, a stupid thing that she specifically would not do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if if Veronica had done it, it would have been much more believable. Um, because I could see that being, like, a thing that a straight person does trying to help and just, like, completely fumbling the bag. But having Cheryl do it was just like, I don't, why? Why are you, why? Yeah. Fair enough. My other one was actually, it was not about the outing thing. The outing thing was really bad. I agree. My other one was everything they did with Moose's dad, because it just felt really ham-fisted and regressive. Like, the show doesn't have the sensitivity to deal with that kind of content. Um, And so it just feels like they're making, like, this really awkward, mistaken take about gay people and conversion therapy and... Yeah, they're they're doing the whole every homophobe is secretly gay thing, and yes, like, exactly. 
And while, yes, there are a lot of homophobes who are just, like, have a lot of internalized homophobia, like, I don't know, pushing that idea is really gross and reductive and just, like, no, some people are just homophobes. Some people are just hateful. Do you think, Um, right, I don't don't mean to argue, but do you think that the show really staked a claim that all homophobes are secretly gay? Like, by saying that this specific one was? Uh, No, I don't... I don't think so necessarily because they also have Penelope who is has shown no signs of being secretly gay. <laughs> she hates nothing more than well the gays. But then it's like it's a male homophobe thing. I think that's usually right. associated with that's, male homophobes. Yeah. And they double down on that idea when they talk about it only being right to out conservative politicians. Right. And I So feel you can like, create uh, an argumentative through line there. Sure. And like I you could definitely take that line as like if people are secretly conservative politicians and I, I I don't know i i yeah it's it's weird i didn't love the way that they went about that like you could have had moose's dad be shitty without him also being gay like yeah or you could have had him be gay without also being shitty to his son and like trying to traumatize him and like you didn't need to evoke the sisters of quiet mercy and like yeah. the conversion therapy and the abuse stuff it just it was a huge miss for me it felt really ham-fisted it felt like they didn't know what they wanted to say or how to say it well, it was a lot of really heavy ideas and subject matter that like they didn't really they didn't have much to do with it they just like here are some heavy concepts aren't we significant Sit with now? those uh, they yeah. didn't really yeah they didn't do enough with them to really justify bringing up all the uh, heaviness uh, i don't think mm-hmm. and they like didn't resolve any of it they're just like okay moose is moving now bye yep so that sucks shit so yeah, that's that why great. that was my like serious take on a river don't because it just felt irresponsible to me yeah my other one was about cheryl and penelope being like weirdly sexual at each other and that that whole thing needs to please stop i hate it so much but Mm -hmm. um can we can we take this somewhere else i don't want to yeah i don't like this Uh, yeah bad um my weekly weird (laughs) is very weird folks So remember how Moose's dad wanted to scare the kids straight? Mm-hmm. That was a thing that happened mm-hmm. in this episode? Okay, okay, okay. The Gargoyles are a drug gang mm-hmm. that we recently were dealing with. The Gargoyle King is, question mark, question mark, question mark. Why were Moose's dad and the Razzi kids dressed up in the actual costumes of the Gargoyles and the Gargoyle King? Where did they get those costumes how did those costumes help? Well, okay. Like, I what the fuck is going on? And I would also- like to hear Quinn's theory, and I do have like a plausible answer to this, but I will not give it because it could be spoilery. So, all right, well, it, okay, 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 go, go ahead. Wanna, and there's another question I have after this. It's it, spoilers. It, it keeps, it keeps so, going down further. It's ridiculous. I simply believe that everyone in the town of Riverdale is possessed of a significant, perhaps government-provided. <laughs> costuming budget and they just dump their costuming budget on gargoyle shit oh like uh archie's archie's trunk of scary fuck masks from like an yeah. earlier and betty's griffin queen cape and right that she just like procured from nowhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so presumably that's where it comes from like they probably got the gargoyle masks for the actual gang from the costuming shop or costume depot yeah it's 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 not that they have the specific costuming of the gargoyle gang and the gargoyle king it's that the gargoyle set was among the government issued costuming oh my god yeah so they turned in their costume vouchers but yeah of course my weekly weird is that like it makes no sense that they 
have access to these exact costumes. Also, I don't really understand why they would uh, do a gargoyle-themed kidnapping anyway. But, like, even setting that aside, like, we do hear that Moose's dad knows about G&G because he was at Sisters of Quiet Mercy. But how the fuck does he know anything about the Midnight Club? That didn't happen at Sisters of Quiet Mercy where he learned G&G. They were playing G&G at the fucking high school. Right, but so, like, he was, like, he had a thing for Tom Keller. Yeah, I thought that they explained it that way. So it's He's possible like, was... that, like, Keller might have told him about the Midnight Club when they were buddies. I suppose maybe. It, it certainly didn't, like, cover that, though. Um, and, and, I, and, like I said, and again, I it, have... the, the costumes are still a complete what the fuck. Yeah, so I, I do have an actual answer to this. And again, I will, I will just request that we put a pin in this mm-hmm. for later in the season. Um... Because now, actually thinking about it, I have like an like an actual theory. Okay, so if this thing is weird enough and strange enough this week to be a weekly weird, though, and then later on they actually explain it, well, they don't explain to... the specific thing, but okay, because I was gonna say that would be the biggest weekly weird ever no. if they like <laughs> got back around to something and like adequately explained what happened. No, they they don't. As far as I remember, they don't. But I do, uh, based on events that happened later in the season and reveals that happened later in the season, I have an actual theory as to how this whole thing was orchestrated. Um, I see. Yeah, and I will leave it at that because I don't want to say anything else that would give it away. Because, sure, sure, sure. Uh, this yeah, uh, it's pretty fucking wild. Um, yeah. They magically manifest gargoyle costumes, which they use for this thing that's not gargoyle related. And yeah, I was going to also say, how the fuck did they know where Moose and Kevin are? But I love your shitty little guy theory, Arlie. Yep. So we'll go with yeah. that. Horrible little he's man. A, he's, he's a shitty little, shitty little guy. Shitty little narc. Hate him. Uh, yeah. So... I had a lineup of three, so I had two oh, wow. runner-ups and a big one. Um, so I'll start with my third, like my second runner-up. Yeah, let's let's knock them all down. Uh, which is the Bumble ad. Like we've already covered this, so great. So strange. Um, th- so the Bumble it, ad. It was, was just, it was strange in addition to being terrible. It yeah. was just strange. Uh, runner-up number one is the synchronicity of everybody fucking during the phone calls. <laughs> yeah. Everyone fucking at the same time. Eight of these teenagers. I guess they synced up their calendars or something. No, no, the the yeah, people in Riverdale have like a heat cycle. It's actually a megaverse. Oh god. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> terrible. Uh, terrible, awful, terrible. You go to jail for 1000 years. Yep, Veronica's yeah. type is a uh, jacked, stupid and with a fat knot. I was going to talk I'm about Reggie's knot actually. I'm, I'm gonna kill both of you. I can't it's, handle this. I at least deserve to be killed. You do. So, Maybe not Quinn. I'll give you a pass. For I now. mean, you so, haven't made as many transgressions. There's that. Minor cisgressions, actually. <laughs> um, I am. I am the token cisgender. After you all, are. you you are the cisgression. Um, yeah. And then my number one weekly weird. Is Cheryl magicking up a gang overnight? Composed That's a really entirely strong of people weekly weird. We have never that seen. Is, that is also my weekly weird. <laughs> Just like, do do they grow on trees? Because they all have like the same orchard. Look? Yeah, a gorchard, if you will. <laughs> you get into oh, the funker by going through the gorchard. <laughs> yeah. 
that is that, that is an incredibly title. strange thing that happened because um, it doesn't look like anyone we've ever seen at Riverdale High. No, no it's just new people, like just like just like new. They're lady gals. homunculi, like cr- they're they're crime homunculi in the shape of of poison ladies. And also and, for Cheryl to say, "This is my gift to you, these twelve women." <laughs> like, yeah. just very weird. And uh, like, did she just go around Riverdale going like, "Hey, want to join the gang? Want to join a gang? Want to join a lady gang?" Do you, do you are these even high school students? I don't know. You looking for family? I can get you a family. <laughs> no, she she went to the Gorchard and she sang the the correct songs at the right phase of the moon and all that stuff. Like obviously, and then yeah. she harvested like, again, her little We have never members. seen any of these any of these people before. <laughs> There's so many of them. There's like a dozen of them. Yeah, they're already they're Tony already theme like... they're already theme dressed too. That's like, what I was curious about. What was going to happen if Tony's like, no, I have a different idea for the theme of the gang, and they're like, oh no no no, I was only in it if I can like do my hair in this braid. <laughs> But That's I'm looking forward to seeing for much more much more content from the PP gang. Yeah, the peepees. <laughs> Here come the peepees. Serpents be damned. Mm-hmm. Move aside, gargoyles. It's pee time. Always pee time. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of the content moving forward, listeners. I'm sorry to report. <laughs> Not the pee <laughs> Yeah. It's short for the pissing poisons, baby. <laughs> That would have been a better name. I mean, it wouldn't have been worse. <laughs> the the poopy peepees. <laughs> the peepee and the poo poo. <laughs> so yeah, wow. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Wow, yeah, good shit. <laughs> we make a good show. <laughs> it's true. It's true. This is a very very fine podcast uh, that we do. I keep trying to get my friends to listen to it by telling by like just screenshotting the titles of the episodes and sending them. Um, How the fuck has that not worked? I don't know, because a lot of my friends somehow are bad at listening to podcasts. So Mm. if you, one of my friends, are listening to this, and I've been telling you to listen to this show, regardless of whether or not you watch Riverdale, I love you. Why are you so bad at listening to podcasts? Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, although I, as someone who has had uh, mental things where for uh, a couple of months I literally could not listen to a podcast, uh, I do understand. No, yeah. I, I also uh, my have backlog times where I can't do that. Is huge. I'm very behind on basically every podcast. It so. is not. It is not a serious question because I also yeah. have the times yeah. where I can't listen to podcasts, and I'm like, why am I so bad at listening to podcasts? People um, are people are periodically bad at listening to podcasts. Like it's that's okay. Just, that's just the truth. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's kind of on some sort of podcast heat cycle. Any, anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, it's a podcast heat cycle. Uh, everybody, uh, l- thanks for joining us for River News and River Dunce. We're gonna, we're gonna hop on the PP hype train into the next one. Chugga, 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 this is amazing watching you two like do this in tandem. This is amazing. <laughs> uh-huh. Let's see. We're what's the next one? What's the next one we're doing? What's the next one? We're, doing? Know, chapter 48. Uh, we're gonna be talking about chapter forty-eight. Requiem for a welterweight. Oh Ooh, no! By I think I remember what episode this is too. Oh, written by fuck. Michael Grassi, a uh, common contributor. And then I'm gonna cast the weirding eye just a little bit further forward in time for the the episode that comes after that. Folks, it's titled Fire Walk With Me. Yeah. 
Yes mm. is going to, uh, as someone who on this video call right now is wearing, wearing an Owl Twin Cave Peaks shirt yeah. from Twin Peaks, yeah. I'm going to just say I will probably have opinions about it. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us for Rivers and River Don'ts. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Goodbye.